Hello and welcome once again to We March On with Steve and Tom, the unofficial, yes, unofficial Southampton FC podcast in partnership with the Believe Podcast Network, our friends from across the pond. But on this side of the Atlantic, I get to share a whole country with none other than stand-up comedian and lifelong Saint supporter, Tom Deacon. How are you, sir? Thanks, Steve. I'm good, mate. What an introduction. Beautiful. Uh, just lovely. Just, I feel like, can I say this, that we, in my world, we are official. You know, you say that we're unofficial, but that sounds like we're naughty or we muck around, but we don't. This is a very serious podcast, so strap yourselves in if you've never joined us before. We talk about the serious issues. Yes, very serious. I'm not going to name any. I'm not going to name any, but just mm. wait and see. Because this is just the intro. Normally, this is the point where I say, Steve, what have you been up to this week? And then you'll, you'll recount lots of tales of uh, normally house-based mm. things. Yeah, I don't, I don't tend to leave the, um, the, the house that much. Maybe, maybe I'm slightly agoraphobic. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, but before we get onto that, make sure you do like and subscribe the podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts from, you're probably listening on it now, whether that be Spotify or Apple, make sure to do a five-star review as well. It really does help us out. And if you're not following us across the social media horizon, then also do that. It's at We March On Pod on everything. And if you do want to just send us a message to say, hey, guys, just 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 quit it. Just get back to the day job. Then it's We March On Pod at gmail.com <laughs> as well. Uh, this week, Tom, I've been a little bit under the weather, oh so I yeah. had to do the oh, final game of the Southampton season for Saints Live uh, before the World Cup break. Not the last game of the season, that would be silly, but the last game before this World Cup break on Saturday against Liverpool, a match we will uh, brush over in due course. And um, I was in the pre-production meeting with Kenzie and Tom and Cal and going through what we were going to discuss on the show. We had Dean Hammond once again, and also Andrew Sermon was a, was a special guest, which was, which was really interesting. Never, I've met, I say met, I've glanced, exchanged pleasantries, would that be the right term? With Andrew once, um, or Drew, uh, as he likes to be called, uh, pitch side when he was being interviewed by Kenzie for a game once, I think it was last season, but never really spoke to him. But yeah, sound, seems like an absolutely lovely chap. Um, so we had him on the show, but we were, we were in pre-production, and having our little chat, and uh, I was like, "Oh, my my throat's a bit a bit tickly," and I uh, started to feel a bit worse and got a headache as as the hours rolled past, and uh, I was like, "Hmm, not feeling great here." And do you remember that thing called COVID, which nearly ended the world like two years ago? Yeah, it yeah, sort of forgotten about it now, but yeah, yeah. Um, well, that crossed my mind. I thought I've already had, I've had it once. I was like. Oh, I don't want to have it again. So, um, and and Kenzie is actually going to Qatar uh, to the World Cup, uh, doing some presenting for England. So she was like, oh, don't get COVID. And then I get it. And then I'm not have to miss a work trip. So I did the responsible thing and continued doing the show. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, and and before the before the kickoff, we did the pre-match show, and then before kickoff, I did drive to a pharmacy and got a couple of lateral flow tests. Safe to say, all good, negative. It was just a bit of man flu, mm. but it's really knocked it out of me for a couple of days now. Like I've, I'm starting to feel okay now. What were we on Wednesday? Um, but it's re it kind of floored me Monday, Tuesday. It really did. Oh mate, that's um. Sorry to hear that, but you know you've you've battled through, and that is you've got to take the victories where you can. I'm just just you know, bowled over by Andrew Sermon. 
Bournemouth's finest. He did play for Southampton, but Bournemouth's finest. He was. Um... We did say it was nice to be joined for once by a um, a Saints midfielder with some goal scoring prowess. Wow. Other than Dean Hammond. Wow. Um, How did Dean take that? I bet he didn't enjoy <laughs> yeah, that. No, Dean very much knows that I'm a bit of a dickhead and uh, and took it on the chin. So um, <laughs> no, it was great. D- Dean is such a nice person. You can you can wish to to work with it with a nicer with a nicer guy and um his his 10 goals for Southampton he did get into double figures but his 10 goals do hold a very special place in all of our hearts I'm sure he was great on this show um that which reminds me uh we are working on getting a few guests uh coming up uh so um keep your ears pricked I don't know if that's an expression that one should use mm, but probably not keep them pricked Prick, how's, keep, how's... keep them up because it's coming yep. your way. Um, I will tell you this, though, um, and it's not the same, but I felt like, you know, not in a bad way, I felt like that the story of Saints Live is quite, it's got a gravitas to it. It's quite big. So I am think I'm going to share with you, I'm going to share, if I may, mm. about what's going on in my world, which is pretty significant. Um, and that is, Steve, on the 30th of November, very, very hush-hush, but I have been invited to the West Cornwall Pasty event. Now, uh, it's taking place on Wednesday, 30th of November, as I mentioned, and they are going to be showcasing some of their new pasties for the autumn <sighs> feast. Um, listen, what kind? Mate, what they don't are, you, spec- are we talking here? I don't know what they've... Uh, or it says here, prepare to taste the stuff of legend. Okay, debatable. Join us <laughs> and Chef James Strawbridge for a three-course immersive feast to celebrate the launch of our limited edition autumn range of Cornish delicacies. Thank you very Ooh. much. Now, if that doesn't get people a little bit jealous, I am going to be up to my eyeballs in pasty. Um, who ate all the pies slash pasties? Tom Deacon. Uh, it's coming. I will report back. And do you know what? I may even take a little Southampton badge along with me and slap one on a West Cornish pasty. Not aggressively, but just like delicately slap down. And yeah, then... you don't want to ruin the flaky pastry. No, I don't. But mate, I cannot wait for that. So we can all talk about how we're being successful. And I don't know what I have to do for the event. I just think I have to turn up and eat stuff. So, like, how, how did you get involved in this? Because I am very jealous. I do like a pasty, and especially from the West Cornish Pasty Company. When I used to work in retail, there was one on the high street, and I did frequent it uh, rather often. Chicken Bolty was my favourite. I did really enjoy that one, and Lamb and Mint when they had it on occasion. Um, not a fan of the traditional pasty. Don't know why, uh, with the, the kind of mints in it. I prefer the, ch- the chunks of meat, should we oh, say. Okay. Um, That's interesting. And uh, do you know, this is prob- this is getting stupid in terms of like we're a football podcast but do you know why um a pasty is a pasty and why it has that kind of crimped thick edge i do but i'd like you to tell everyone else that isn't a classic blag like i know the answer but i don't i do but i'd like you to tell everybody so back in the day in i presume in cornwall um or wherever <laughs> pasties <laughs> originated from <laughs> coal miners or people working underground would would need sustenance wouldn't they they need their lunch so um they'd make pasties but obviously their hands would be filthy and covered in in coal dust or mud or whatever so they would hold the thick pastry rim and then they would eat their pasty that way and then they wouldn't have to get crap all over their um all over their food and then ingest coal dust yeah they're already going to be suffering health-wise later on. You may as well at least minimise it. 
great. And that is what, but I, do you know what I do? I don't throw that bit away, Steve. Once you've paid six pounds for a pasty, I'm eating that bit as well. I'm not mucking about. It's the best bit. Yeah, I'm no con. I love it. Um, Steve, uh, that's what's going on in my world. I will report back. Hold on, you didn't get to the point of, of what, how you how you got there. No, we don't, Why are we you don't invited? Discuss, is no, it your celebrity mate. status? Celebrity status, which has been um, dwindling many years in the game. Um, and now, uh, it's just who you know, mate. Listen, I don't want to go on about it, but it's just who you know. And no one else wants to go, apparently. Is so this where you go from going. levels? If you go from Sky Sports Formula One wait a couple of years, go to a Cornish pasty event, five years down the line, you'll be opening a new branch of like Aldi in like Haywards Heath. Hey, I would love that. The Aldi aisle, I love Aldi. <laughs> uh, however, no, what it is, is uh, you're incorrect about the pasty. Uh, when you are a failing presenter, what happens is the pasty is a fantastic <laughs> way that crust, once you've eaten to try and make yourself feel happier, you're able to mop away your tears with the outer edge <laughs> of the pasty. Tom, it is the World Cup break officially now. We've had the last match prior to um, said delay of the season until Boxing Day. Final match for Southampton was the first match in charge for Nathan Jones, our new manager. And it couldn't have been tougher. Maybe Man City would have been tougher, but it couldn't have been tougher than a trip to Anfield to play Liverpool. Now, hopes were maybe not that high heading into the fixture and hopes were considerably lower heading out of the fixture. A 3-1 defeat uh, against Liverpool. But I would say, Tom, that it was a more spirited performance than what we've seen in recent weeks. Um, Shea Adams equalising moments after Liverpool had taken the lead through a flick on Bobby Firmino header. And then um, Darwin Nunez popped up with a couple of goals in the first half to seal the win before the break. Um, but, you know, Southampton did play well in, in large spells of the game. They had opportunities to, um, to get a goal or two back. It would have ultimately set up a, a grandstand finish and, and could have really been a been a high before the um before the season was put on pause. But what are your takes from the match? My takes are this. Uh the first half, as I've banged on about in this podcast many a time, is is we're not a complete 90 minute team. First half, not great, but for Shea Adams to get that goal and finally a, a Ward Prowse effective set piece um got got that goal for us. Um, and the second half, completely different. Now, uh, what has annoyed me is some people go, well, Liverpool took their foot off the gas and they just they were just thinking about the World Cup. Well, that annoys me because, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a bit, it, it's not only just rude, it's a bit like saying, oh, well, they gave up, that's why you performed better. I will stick, if that's true, fine. But the naivety of me is we actually played really well in that second half, created chances, could have got into the game. Uh, another opportunity, as you just said, for Shea, um, to, to, to put it away and, and get us back into that game. Didn't happen. Lots of positives to take from it. Nathan Jones even said the same. First half, we were too passive. We won't be that passive again. I promised an aggressive nature in, in terms of going after things and we will be more aggressive in the future. I want us to work on that. So it was, a, as you said, it was a, you, you couldn't lose that really in terms of the manager hasn't had enough time with the squad. 
didn't get the win. But now we go on what we describe as a pre-season tour now. <laughs> Southampton get all that time. Um, and I would look at this as, imagine if the season was to end there. We just got relegated. We weren't good enough. Whereas now, World Cup break, come back. It's all about promotion. And I think that's the way we look at it. Like it's a fresh start, <laughs> reset. Nathan Jones, let's get promoted out of the relegation zone. Simple as that. A hundred percent. Yeah. So uh, it does mean that we do go into this little six week break um, in 18th, sorry, 19th place in, in the league, which, which isn't great. I think it's the, one of the first times Southampton have been in the, um, in the relegation zone at this time of the season for, for a number of years now. Uh, but as you say, a, a, a different kind of performance, like what we saw was chances being made throughout the game something that you know has taken Southampton either to go uh, a few goals behind to really step up in the final 20 minutes or or kind of be great in the first half and then kind of lackluster in the second and one thing that was that I found uh, promising was that we had uh, almost an end to the sideways backwards passing mm. that that was very prominent in the in the final few games of, of Ralph's tenure and it was more direct and you saw balls being played into the channel and you saw them kind of utilising that centre midfield area a bit more than just playing out wide and then back and then switching play. Um, and you had that uh, opportunity for Shea Adams towards the end of the game. Sam Adozi got in and just unfortunately couldn't get the ball out from under his feet fast enough to, to beat Allison. But a great little bit of play from him. He's a really exciting talent. Lots and lots of skill raw at the moment. But I think once... Um, he can kind of um, polish that a, a wee bit. Um, he will be a, a really good prospect for the future, I'm sure. And, you know, it's it wasn't a result that was unexpected and, and maybe uh, people would have, a draw would have been excellent to leave Anfield with. But we did say previously that it, it was almost a free hit. The game against Sheffield Wednesday and this one against Liverpool were kind of whatever. Let's just see what the team can do. Um, and then we'll we'll work on it during this break, and then hopefully the second half of the season will be a completely different beast to the first. But you know, I I, I don't really look at the fact that there was only one goal scored, and um, it, although it was a good goal, um, and and the result, it's more the style of play, and it's one game under this new manager, and you've quite rightly pointed out he has time now, some a, a luxury that managers coming in partway through the season never get which is now, as you say, a, an, a, essentially a second pre-season yeah. to work on with the majority of the players, um, Armel Belakotchap and, and uh, Mohamed Salasu aside, who are going to the World Cup. But it's a great opportunity now for Nathan Jones to really embed his philosophy with these players, get them all singing from the same hymn sheet, and then come Boxing Day against Brighton. Whew! Oh, I'd hate to be Roberto De Gerbi's men. I'd hate to be a seagull. I'd hate to be a seagull, mate. <laughs> we've got pigeons at St. Mary's. Uh, as uh, well, I don't think we even spoke about that, but the pigeon got got us that goal against Arsenal, uh, distracting mm. the goalkeeper Ramsdale. But totally, I think I think there's you've got to be optimistic. Uh, there was flashes in that game where it was positive, and the thing is, what can Nathan James do? You can't say he's going to completely change up the team why that's pretty much our best team that he put out and Adozi looks great going forward he looked decent against Sheffield Wednesday as well he's a real attacking threat he just stays by the wing and just goes forward 
And again, same old problem. Scoring when we get opportunities and chances isn't isn't our forte. So with this break, get a chance to really sort of adopt Nathan's processes and how he wants us to play. And hopefully the players will look a, a little less without knowing what they're doing. They just look a little bit lost at times. Um, mm. And I hope that Nathan Jones comes in and goes, look, lads, this is how we're going to play and, and just do it. And then that confidence will build in the whole squad. Romeo Lavia has been back for a couple of weeks now. Um, we absolutely sang his praises in the early parts of the season um, of how instrumental he was to this side at such a young age, having only come in in the summer from uh, Man City's under-23s team. Is he undroppable Ooh. at 18 years old, Tom? Because he, he, does, he's cha- he has changed how Southampton play when he's in the side. Like, he adds such solidity to that midfield. And it almost feels like we haven't, we haven't got Ori anymore. I don't think Diallo, in my opinion, is up to the standard needed to be a week-in, week-out central midfielder in the Premier League and I feel when Lavia plays you see a little bit more of a glint in JWP's eye oh yeah I feel like he doesn't have to do everything when Lavia is there I feel like uh, James has then the ability to get his head up and look for forward passes and and not necessarily have to constantly be tracking back and moving from one side of the pitch to the other um, in attempts to win the ball back Um, and I, I love him I think he's excellent and I'm glad that he's come back from this somewhat long-term injury, but what was he out for sort of five or six weeks? Um, and it's it's like he never left. Oh, love him. I heard you say love him. Oh, love you and Steve up a tree. Um, I, <laughs> I, no, I, 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 I totally agree with you. I think he's great uh, benefit, not for him in his personal uh, career in his CV, but he doesn't get selected by Belgium. I think it was too soon for him to go into that squad. Yeah. And there's some great players, but it's it's Southampton's win. He gets to get even fitter over this period now. And you're spot on. He makes JWP just have that freedom again. And as you know, uh, from watching Braveheart, fantastic film, uh, that's when we're at our best, when we're shouting freedom for JWP. He's able to just look on fire and the set pieces. I think there's a weight lifted. I feel like he has to do everything. And then when he's doing that, he's not even doing the things he was good at before. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a real it's a positive situation, and it's good to see Shea score. Um, I think there's there's and, and you know I I think that squad's good enough, but we just need to have a new direction, a freshness in the whole camp, and it's there. So with Nathan and I liked him. I liked it. everything he said so far. He's positive. There's I think he got asked by an interviewer have you been hired because of your experience in the championship? And he got quite annoyed about that in his tone. He was like, well, we're not, we're not talking about the championship. We're not in the, cha- we are a Premier League side. And I like that. I like his bullshiness. Um, hmm. So yeah, fair play. Rob Tom, as you've said, uh, Lavia didn't get selected with Belgium for the World Cup. Maybe that injury um, cast a doubt in Roberto Martinez's mind about whether he could take him or not. But a couple of Saints players are going to Qatar um, with Ghana and with Germany. We have Mohamed Salasu has been included in Ghana's squad for the tournament, as has Armel Bella Kotchap 
for the Germany team. Now, we'll start with Bella Kotchap. He has been so impressive. Another young talent that's come into Southampton over the summer. He's only had one game with Germany so far, coming on as a substitute, but clearly showing that he can do the business in the Premier League to be included in Hansi Flick's squad um, for the tournament. And uh, Ralph has been speaking about him as well. Um, Ralph has said that he was a one-on-one monster and has, has proved that he can really cut it in the toughest league in the world. And, you know, this this is a player that, I, I don't know about you, how, who he reminds you of, but I feel like he reminds me of a, a, a Jerome Boateng in his prime. You know, he's so strong, he's quick, um, he's great in a 50-50 challenge, he reads the game well, he can pass out from the back, he can move into midfield when needed. I think he really could be the complete central midfielder, a Rolls-Royce in the in the ilk of like a, a young Rio as well um, in his early days at Manchester United. And yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Armel and I'm, I'm hoping that he gets an opportunity at the World Cup. Germany are a team that have been in transition over a few years. It's a, it's a younger squad than what we've seen in the past, a few of the old heads and, and some really world-class talented players are no longer in the international setup for Germany. So they are bringing younger players through, the likes of Jamal Musiala from Bayern as well as in there, and Leroy Sane and, and Serge Gnabry, household names now. Um, and if Armel Bella Kotchap could strike up maybe a partnership with Nicolas Sula at the back, that could be fierce at the World Cup. It really could. I know they rely quite heavily on Matthias Ginter as well, but Armel could be could be a breakout star of the tournament if he's given a few games. Yeah. I, I, do you know what? Hand on heart, I don't think he'll get any opportunities in this World Cup unless there's an injury. <laughs> just, just destroy the no, entire point. No, the point <laughs> still stands, but I, I personally don't... I want that to happen for, for Armel and for, for Saints going forward, but I, I don't see him being thrown in. He's, I think, the fourth youngest in the squad. Um, as you mentioned, the, the youngest, Jamal Musiala, uh, was actually, uh, if people don't know this, he was at Southampton <laughs> as, a, as a youngster. <laughs> uh, but One that got away. The one that got away. Uh, however, I don't think he had, they, Southampton had much choice in it. He was moving countries with his family. So th- that's that. But he's had 17 appearances and he's only 19 for the German um, national team. So goes to show they do like to play younger players when they come through. You, uh, Yusofa Mukoko uh, for Borussia Dortmund. No caps. He's 17 years of age. Uh, very much kind of like a, a Theo Walcott uh, yeah, <laughs> inclusion. Yeah. But I think I think those players are there. Uh, maybe not Jamal, but maybe Yusofa and Kareem Adiyami. He's played only four games, and you've got Nicholas mm-hmm. uh, Fulkrug uh, from Werder Bremen. They're there in the squad to learn for the future. And if anything, I think that's great for Armel. He goes with some brilliant players, learns, comes back. And Nathan Jones says, all right, mate, you're right. You learned a lot. And Armel's like, yeah. And then that's it. We we benefit from him <laughs> being away and learning off some of the some some fantastic players in the world. That's a very good point. Maybe I overrated it. I think I, maybe I jumped on the hype train uh, that I was on as I was talking about him because I, I'm a big, big fan of Armels. But yeah, when you do look at that Germany squad um, in defence, great uh, players to learn from, as, as you've said. Antonio Rudiger, Nicholas Sula's in there, Christian Gunter as well. Um, Joshua Kimmich, although he plays in midfield. Matthias Ginter, as I said, like really good defensive players um, in that Germany squad and... and uh, if Armel can, you know, pick up tips and tricks and 
uh, and and to big tournament experience mm. as well because it won't even as you say if he doesn't get games at the tournament he will be training with the squad every single day yeah. um and and that'll be invaluable experience and and having a having an international um as one of the first choice center backs at southampton of a of a country that are not necessarily a, a, a minnow really should we say it's not like having a a luxembourgian international or something like that like he plays for a, a, a big country um is is only a positive for southampton and then, um, unfortunately, that no other players are going from any other positions. It is just our centre backs. We've got Mo- Mohamed Salasu going with Ghana. Um, bit more of a, an established prospect uh, with the Ghanaians, with the Black Stars, um, who I'm sure will, will really just be trying to get out of the group stage. Ghana have done something quite interesting in the last couple of years. They've really focused on acquiring players who weren't even considering playing for Ghana, uh, but because of their their birthright and ability to, to play for Ghana, they've been pushed towards representing their their country. Um, and that's great. And I think they're, they're one to kind of look out for. They're that team that I always love in a World Cup where you sort of go, oh, they're playing a, a game here. Oh, watch Ghana because they're exciting. I don't know much about them and I want to watch them for that reason. They've got Portugal... Uruguay and South Korea in their group and I'm I'm going to be supporting them I think and and as much as I don't want to say it the, the mm. fact that Armel I'll only support Germany if Armel's playing but other than that I'm fully on board with Salisu um and getting a <laughs> chance to 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 play the likes of um Ronaldo uh and that Portuguese team and Fernandez so I think again I think this is going to be great for him to grow as a player international stage and maybe at the start of the 2023-24 season uh, we might be selling two centre-backs uh, for, a, for a handsome profit. So look, there's positives in every way we look at it. But um, but yeah, in terms of the, the groups, it'll be quite tricky for, for both of the teams, uh, to, well, for Ghana to get through. But Germany have got a stronger chance. Yeah, definitely. Germany have got Costa Rica, Japan and uh, Spain in their group. In Group E, well, as you said, Ghana have got Portugal, South Korea and Uruguay. One thing I would love to see is Ghana get revenge over Uruguay for the 2010 World Cup um, when we had that handball from Luis Suarez that denied uh, Guyane um, his uh, his chance and uh, and a place in the semi-finals, was it? Back yeah, then? yeah, I think it was. It was just... Asamoa Gian. Oh, and he went, ended up going with his career off, because he was at Sunderland, went off to sink Saudi Arabia, some um, United Emirates country, and you're like, why are you going there? Oh, maybe it's the money. I get that. Yeah. But he was he was electric. And yeah. what, a, what a match that was. And I know that this isn't about this podcast, but Costa Rica, my favorite team in Group E, love to watch them. And if you like two ex-Saints players in Japan, which I thought was an interesting fact, um, you've, of course, got Maya Yoshida uh, in that uh, team. He's the second highest goal scorer <laughs> for Japan in that current team that is going to the World Cup with 12 goals. Uh, 12 goals. And Minamino with 17, mm. ex-Saints player now at Monaco. He is your top scorer. Uh, so I don't see Japan going through. I think it's going to be tricky, but I'll be rooting for Costa Rica. Love them. Well, thinking a little bit closer to home, Tom, there is um, one player, a very prominent player, that hasn't been included in Gareth Southgate's squad for England, for Qatar, and that's our captain, James Ward-Prowse. Um Maybe it didn't come as a as a huge surprise, given the fact of Southampton's form this season and and 
JWP and not maybe playing to the the extremely high standards that he set himself in in previous seasons. Um, are you surprised that that Gareth didn't include him, considering certain players who maybe have only played a one Premier League game? If we talk about Calvin Phillips this season, has been injured for the most part, have been included in the in the squad. Do you think it's it's a bit unfair on JWP not to have gone to Qatar? I think it's unfair on how JWP was playing last season. And I think, unfortunately, it's unfair the position that JWP plays. I don't think he would be as good as Calvin Phillips to come in and play in that that uh, CDM role that kind of JWP has been playing so far this year. I would rather take Phillips um, for that role. However, on the form that JWP had last year, I'd... I'd yeah, I would have, of course, put him in there. Uh, Southampton bias. And also he was just, he was playing really, really well. Um, and I also feel he's a, a victim again of the fact that he hasn't been around the squad um, as much. This is a very compact squad at England where they've been pretty much together, the core of it, for the last six years. And I think it was going to take something extra special for him to get in that team Um do I look at Callum Wilson and think I'd rather take JWP? Yes, but I'd also rather take Tony uh, over him. Well, this is uh, the thing, Tom, is like, do you think that Gareth Southgate's missed an opportunity for a couple of potential penalty scorers to go into that squad? Like, if Calvin Phillips isn't really going to play because he's had one game for Man City, um, mm. he seems to want to stick with Declan Rice, um, Jude Bellingham, maybe Mason Mount in that in that midfield. Um, JWP could have been on the plane. He's not going to start. But if if it's if it's one one after 119 minutes, and you know you're going to penalties, having him come on with the mentality he has, he takes them week in week out for Southampton. Also, as you say, Ivan Tony been touted as the the best penalty taker in the world at the moment, mm. and not taking them even though they might not start every match. They might have to make cameo substitute appearances. But you know, if you're level and you're heading towards mm. the end of extra time and it's a crucial shootout in potentially the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and you could you could have brought on Ivan Tony and James Ward-Prowse to be part of those five players, or the first five players to take penalties, I think it might be an opportunity missed. Yeah. I mean, he looked so confident when he stepped up twice against Sheffield Wednesday the other night um, and, and, and buried both of his penalties. He's the first person to step up. You sort of never in doubt with him. Uh, 11 appearances for England, two goals. Is that enough to, to, to put him there? When you compare it to James Madison, and this is the problem, they're different positional players. Uh, he's only had one cap, so he's the, he's the lowest amount of caps uh, that, that have played uh, in, in that, that squad. I, I would take experience in the fact that uh, JWP, I mean, Connor Gallagher, should he be going over yeah. uh, JWP? It's debatable because I don't think he's been that brilliant. Very, very similar to, to Mason Mount and to um, to James Madison, as you say. It's the kind of three similar players. Jude Bellingham is a bit more box-to-box, box, but mm. J- James Ward-Prowse is... I personally would say he, he is different to the majority of the players that England are taking in, in central midfield or in the midfield area in general, maybe most similar to a, like a Jordan Henderson type, but it's his set pieces um, and yeah, his penalties no, that really could define matches. And I know they've got the likes of Trent and they've got the likes of Kieran Trippier that, that can all take set pieces as well. But I do, I do feel 
that War Prowse has suffered from a being in a in a Premier League side at the bottom of the table in a in a in quotation marks smaller club. Um, and purely because he wasn't setting the league on fire with his set pieces that he was last year. Yeah, very true. Uh, when you look at the squad as a whole that are going, there's only one player, and that is Jude Beddingham, that plays overseas. <laughs> Everyone else plays in England. And that's, is that interesting? No, it's just something I, I noticed. And I think there is a click, it, it, a click in a good way that that is a team that that know each other. And I think maybe that's why Conor Gallagher's got in ahead of, of of JWP because he knows Mason Mount. He's playing in with him week in, week out. Raheem Sterling, that link-up play that you you need is maybe there. I think only time will tell. And will it really, if JWP isn't at the World Cup, which we know he isn't, are there contract talks next year? Are there is there a player here, JWP, that will feel like maybe to play for England more, I'm going to have to move? Now, I'm not saying he feels that way. But you could argue if he was going to a bigger club, would that help his chances? And that's something that Southampton fans probably don't want to even talk about. Yeah, it is unfortunate because I also feel that this could potentially be his last opportunity for a World Cup at, what is he now, 28 years of age? Um, in in four years' time, going to be 32. Will he be past it a little bit to be able to sort of get into the England squad if he's not already a regular? So it is unfortunate he won't be going to the World Cup. But two Southampton players are, and we will very much be supporting them throughout the tournament in Qatar. Right, Tom, we're about halfway through this week's episode. Episode 17, oh, if you would believe it. Uh, Sorry, Steve. And it's time, on that very note, uh, for Saints Trivia Question of the Week. Nice. Yeah. Lovely. Haunting at the end. (laughs) Right, Tom. Well, this week, because we are now going into a World Cup break, there are a number of Southampton players that have featured in the grandest tournament Uh, in the world on multiple occasions. Uh, Southampton FC have put their own Saints World Cup 11 together on their official Twitter channel. I hope you've not looked at it already. Um, You've got the likes of Jan Bednarek in there, who went in 2018. Peter Shilton also back in 1986. Cedric Suarez, now at Arsenal, also in 2018. Morgan Schneidlin in 2014. And then you've got an England pair of Adam Lalana and Ricky Lambert, who went in 2014. But there are a couple of notable absentees from their 11. We have a centre-back who went in 2014 and 2018. Also a midfielder who went in 2002. Um, and a midfielder, an attacking midfielder, who went in 2018. But can you name those three missing players from the Southampton World Cup 11 official? We'll start from back to front. A defender that went in 2014 and 2018. Uh, is it uh, Toby Alderold? Alderweireld for Belgium. Yeah, I call him how I call him, mate. Well, Belgium didn't qualify for the 2014 World Cup, so it definitely wouldn't be him. Well, that's what came to my mind. So I don't like uh, that. Uh, survey well, says, I don't like that cheek from no. you. I'm not going to continue this game if you're going to be like that. Uh, it, it's obviously Maya Yoshida. Did you just Google that? No. I've, look, I'll show you the paper, which no one can see. <laughs> I've scrolled down a rough 11 aside. And now I'm thinking, well, of course, it's um, 
Yeah. Interesting yeah. enough, I, li- I listened to a podcast about Kevin, Karen, um, Kieran Trippier the other day, and he, before his move to Atletico, talked to Toby because they were at Tottenham together to find out uh, what it was like. Because, of course, Toby had moved from Atletico Madrid to Southampton for a little while. But all right, mate, if you're going to yep. be cheeky about it. You got that two- one right. So that's my Ishida playing for Japan. Uh, and then we have our, our central midfielder who went in 2002. <laughs> I'm struggling with that one. I can't. My brain, you know when it's like a quiz that I haven't paid any money for? I don't care. Mm. <laughs> My brain can't. If I've put money on the line and there's possibly like, I don't know, a free bar at the end of this. Nay, I'm into it. Um, 2002. Um, who did he we played, have? He mid- played in the same squad as Wayne Bridge when he was at Saints back in the day. Bridgie. Bridgie. Uh, oh, um, uh, is it, a, is it, Israel never went to a World Cup. I'm thinking Ayel Berkovich. I don't know why. My brain's like, Ayel Berkovich. That'll be the answer. Idiot. Um, uh, oh, nah, I can't, I can't. My brain's not working today, mate. Played no in the 2003 FA Cup final. Along with his brother. His brother? <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's not his brother, uh, but they have the same name. The FA Cup. Northern Ireland didn't qualify. Thinking of Chris Baird. You know when your brain's not... Have, it's having a, an absolute brain fart. Um, oh, Fernandez wasn't there. Who was in mid... Mate, I can't... Oh, Swedish. Uh, Anders Svensson. Correct. Brilliant. Got there in the end. Thanks, mate. Um, still nothing on this piece of paper. If anyone's doubting me, it's taken a long time. And 2018, did you say? The striker. Uh, attacking midfielder. Can play as a striker. Um, but... Yes, I'd say attacking midfielder went in 2018. Uh, nah, I can't be asked. My brain's like, nah. <laughs> Who is it? Come on, just give us a guess. He's Serbian. Uh, oh, Serb- oh, Dusan Tadic. Exactly, mate. well done. I've let everybody down. I do apologise. I'm sorry. He just hasn't got the pace on FIFA. He doesn't exist to me. Well, you know, that was... Um, that was a very hastily put together few set of quiz questions, but I think you performed well. You got there in the end. Thanks, mate. Can I tell you a story about Anders Svensson? All right, but uh, we won't be able to air it. So uh, welcome back mm. uh, to the podcast. I interviewed his, his, his brother, <laughs> Michael, the other week. It's a bitch side. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. How tall is he compared to you? He's tall, wouldn't he? Yeah, everyone's tall compared to me, mate. Um, but uh, not true. Yeah, Jim McCullough <laughs> looks fairly uh, small, compared, and he is an FA Cup winner with Sam. When, when I said to him, I was like, um, I was like, oh, "Hello, Jim. You're right. Nice, nice to nice to meet you." I was like, "Oh, where where in Glasgow are you from?" And he went, "Oh, I'm from the I'm from the Garbles, so don't mess with me." And I went, "Oh, I was born in Govan." He went, "Oh shit, I won't mess with you then." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Very um, nice guy. I love that. Uh, Michael Svensson, what a defender. What a player. Uh, unfortunately, that knee injury. I mean, him and, and um, Klaus Lundekvam were just an, an incredible centre-back duo. Brilliant. Mm. Anders Svensson, I served at John Lewis when I worked at the West Quay John Lewis. And um, I was half and half. I remember even planning to feed through a bit more teal roll, which was blank, and get him mm. to sign it. And then I thought, nah, that's the end of that story. But uh, I served him. What was he buying? I'll tell you. A, a large amount of hangers. A large amount of hangers? Yeah. That's the department I worked on. Sort of self-selection. They got all sorts down there. Uh, loads of hangers. He bought other stuff. I think he was 
kitting out his house, all the things that you need. Sometimes you, you're just like, oh, bloody, uh, why haven't we got any hangers in the house? And Anders Svensson had decided to just pop into John Lewis and purchase some hangers. Look, listen, you hear all the good stuff here on the We March On podcast. Steve, 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 fresh off the press. I've got some news about a Southampton player. This comes courtesy of Saints Extra, their Twitter. Southampton defender Lianco is considering a departure from the club in search of more first-team football. Brazilian clubs Botafogo and Vasco are in touch with his representatives, reported by an agent over in Brazil. I personally read this, and I want your take on it. I was immediately saddened by that. I, I'd, I'd hate to see Lianco go. I think he's been, if not my favourite player in the squad this year, but I just love his passion. Uh, yep. What do you make of this, this news? Uh, would you like the official response or the Disney answer? I'll take both. Uh, <laughs> my Disney answer would be, you know, we have to weigh up how Lianco's feeling at the moment. He might be disappointed that he's not playing week in, week out, although he has had a more prominent run in the first team at the moment. Um, he obviously is Brazilian, maybe has ties to this particular journalist and, and these clubs, but he is playing at Southampton, a Premier League team, um, and therefore I w can't see him making a move anytime soon. My official response is, what a load of shit that is. <laughs> Never have I heard more crap in my time. Um, he's he, he is not moving at any point soon. He's he's only really how long how long has he been at Southampton for? He, did he join in January last year? Was it the summer? But he's only he's less than two years. Um, and he started to you know get to the pace needed, get to the level needed. He's he's had a more prominent run in the team of late because of injuries in the squad. But what he has done is endeared himself to the supporters group. He loves it. He loves being the the player that whose name's chanted. You see him like kissing and grabbing the badge and it gets fans off their seats. And, and as I said, singing his name. I think he wants to go down in folklore. Maybe not just at Southampton, but any club that he's part of. And at this moment in time, it is the Saints. And he's really trying to integrate himself. And he could become... Um, uh, a fat, well, he's already a fan favourite, but he could become like a cult hero, as it were, of Southampton should he have a long enough tenure on the South Coast. So I don't see any credibility in this whatsoever. Um, I, I, I don't know who it's come from as the, the, the agent. Was it, I think I had a quick glance at his Twitter. He's got a few hundred thousand followers. George or Jorge Molina. Nicola, yeah. Yeah, from uh, Sao Paulo. It will because... Obviously, those who, who know... Why is he going to go back to Brazil, though, Tom? Why would he do that? He's in the Premier League. Why would he want to go to Vasco da Gama? No, that's the... Unless it's for personal family family reasons or whatever, but he's only just made the... He was in, and also, he was in. He was at Torino before. He's already had experience of, of playing outside of his, of his home country. It's not like he's homesick, so... Yeah, Maybe I, I it is. what a load of old All tosh. right, okay. It could be Sash, but th there's fair reason. I mean, I know I'm a... Uh, Belicocha has been fantastic. So Salisu, uh, he had two minutes against Leicester, one minute against United, where he was pretty much put up front, which was incredible to watch. Uh, four minutes against Chelsea in that win. Uh, then he was on the bench, on the bench, on the bench. Uh, got 26 minutes against Bournemouth and was, you know, the way we shut up shop and apart the bus was fantastic. He was a big part of that. 90 minutes against Arsenal, 90 against Crystal Palace. Then on the bench against Newcastle, then got 18 minutes in the last game, I'm calling it, we're calling it, of this season against Liverpool. Uh, and then obviously it got a run out in both the Cambridge and Sheffield Wednesday game. 
He's played at Brazilian under 23 level. He had 10 appearances for them, 10 caps. I I think if he does want to go back to Brazil, that would be the way to go. But for what reason? I suppose it's to maybe push into the Brazil squad. But why do it now? Because you didn't make it. But actually, I think he's... I I love watching him, him put the Saint shirt on and play. I do believe it's Tosh. But I feel like it, it's the right time to release something like that when you want a new managers on board. But actually, is that the right way of going about it? I think he's trying to get noticed maybe uh, with, with Nathan Jones, but I don't think that's the right way to go about it. If You know what I mean? Because you just want to prove it and just say, hey, Nathan, it's an open door. And the fact that Nathan Jones plays three at the back sometimes in his uh, for Luton. Mm. Tosh, but I think there's reason that I, I want Lianco to stay around. So do I. But it, this is a week of um, players maybe not going around things in, in the right manner. Um, one of the, the trending topics this week, which I'm sure we'll, we'll find out more about uh, tonight, which is Wednesday and on Thursday when the pod comes out, which is Cristiano Ronaldo's exclusive interview with uh, Piers Morgan for Talk TV. Um, a few clips have been released of it already. I'm sure you've watched them, Tom. Oh, yeah, I've seen a couple of them, mate. Um, and I feel betrayed. My uh, eyes feel betrayed watching it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says that, you know, the club have tried to force him out um, and he has no respect for Ten Hag and he has uh, the the owners, the Glazers don't care about the club and they didn't believe him when his daughter was sick and that's why he missed pre-season for United and all very much reeks of a, a player who wanted to leave because he's at a club that's not playing in the Champions League and he wants to, you know, end his career ahead of Messi and is the, the greatest goal scorer of all time and is 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 dubious that that will now happen at United and so is coming out in an effort probably to get the sack but also go out all guns blazing mm. and in a way it's kind of slightly falling on your sword but also part of me respects it because United are a club in disarray um, and have been since Alex Ferguson retired and and the fans know it. They know a lot of this stuff, but no one's really talking about it. And here you have the greatest player, arguably, of all time with uh, uh, the most Instagram followers in the world and 105 million on Twitter, a, a, a global icon, coming out and saying all it, all mm. of it. A current employee, not someone who's left or been, or been sold and has a bit of a, a gripe. Like a current employee is saying all of this stuff. It is kind of mesmerizing. I'm completely glued to it and I will be watching tonight and tomorrow to see the the kind of the full story and not just snippets that have been taken for social media, but it's really interesting yeah. I think to see to see that happen. And whether this kind of sets a precedent um for for other football players, uh, maybe the ramifications may may put a stop to that, but we we've talked uh, not just not just me and you, but I suppose broadcasters in in general over many years now about player power and how it's becoming an unavoidable force, especially within top tier football. And this is another layer to that Mm. because I'm sure in your contract, you have to have permission to do interviews, who you speak to, what you say, um, if you're bringing the club into disrepute. um, And maybe when you're Cristiano Ronaldo with all the money in the world and all the fame in the world, it doesn't really matter anymore. Um, and he can just say whatever he wants. I think the problem is, is that it becomes bigger than the club when someone thinks that they can go beyond their level of employment. Like imagine us doing that. 
Imagine, imagine me doing that at Southampton, or imagine me doing that at Talksport. Um, I'd get the sack instantly, <laughs> and then I'd be like, well, "How am I going to pay the mortgage this month?" Exactly. But he doesn't have to worry about that. So, and and maybe most top level Premier League footballers don't have to worry about paying the mortgage. So maybe this will add a new dimension. With Lianco's situation, it's very, it's kind of similar to things that we've seen in the past, leaked through agents. Not like he's come out and done an interview, but and I'm not saying it's going to happen. But it's quite interesting to see how this particular turn of events will shape how players feel that they can interact with the media going forward. Mm. Well, look, so many interesting topics to to delve into there. Um, with Lianco, he may have just been chatting that that agent lives in Sao Paulo where. Uh, Lianco played and maybe he was just mentioning the fact at some point hey I'd like to be playing more it's a bit disappointing I'd like I'd like first team football and then that's blown out of proportion or was it and I'm not saying it was actively leaked but I don't see the benefit what is the outcome here and I look at this Ronaldo thing and I think what is what does Ronaldo want from this why is it happening now um, and the reason for that is he doesn't want to be at Man United anymore Simple as that. So for him to say this, bring the club into disrepute. You've now got fans arguing for Ronaldo and against Ronaldo. Um, And the bottom line is it's money, it's business. I think there's no way they're going to sack him because that would cost them far too much money. And that is a lot, if you believe what Ronaldo says, the facilities at United need improving. (laughs) And they haven't been. (laughs) Nothing's upgraded. The problem is, is that acceptable for Ronaldo to act in that way? Is he being professional? And the answer is no, but you can get on board with him as a player why he feels he's been hard done by and and should be allowed to move when that happens. But we're talking, I think this is sometimes when you compare apples with pears, we are not Ronaldo, Steve. As much as I feel like we are, <laughs> we are not. And actually he is in that powerful position. Do I think it's right? Should he be allowed to do it? No. And they'll have to take the appropriate course of action, which they will do. They'll probably fine him for it and say, you've broken your contract. At the, at the same time, if it's in his contract that he should be playing X amount of games and Ted Hagen isn't doing that, then accountability has to be on the manager. So I think there's loads of different angles for it. And we love a little bit of gossip. And for United mm. fans, they're hating the fact that, it again, it just just when there's a bounce and there's a bit of form for the club, someone says, nah, it's still rubbish there. <laughs> and it's not, it's not good. <laughs> so I, I think Ronaldo, you know, the, the simple thing is if he doesn't want to play for the club, he shouldn't be allowed. But business-wise, that's a lot of money to, to pay out to, to get rid of a player. And if he is implementing this now come January I wonder if a club in the Champions League in the latter stages will maybe sign him to to get across the line and and win the cup yeah well I think until Piers Morgan tweets a clip of him speaking to Lianco about he feels how hard (laughs) done by he is at Southampton I think we can basically brush that story under the carpet for some time all right got about eight minutes to do a little women's roundup and then a goodbye yeah Yeah, perfect. Right, Tom. Well, we do know that the Premier League is on pause now until Boxing Day, but that doesn't mean that all football has finished. Our Southampton women's team will still be in action up until then. Yes, they will. And I'm looking forward to this. Um, We didn't mention it in our last podcast and should have done, uh, but a massive shout out to Katie Wilkins, 
What a hat trick it was. A, a first half hat trick, incredible stuff. Her first goals for Southampton. Um, she was signed by uh, Marianne Spacey Kale to get some goals, be an attacking forward and striker. Um, signed from Coventry and goes and scores a hat trick against them. Very exciting times. Their next match is going to be against Blackburn uh, on the 20th. Looking forward to that. But. In terms of World Cup action, in terms of internationals, uh, some of the Saints squad have been on international duty, which, as we've mentioned with the men's team, is only going to improve the players individually. And there's been some um, great appearances, particularly for the England under-23s. Yeah, who, who's been who's caught your eye the most, Tom, out of the Southampton Stars, who could potentially push for a place in Serena Wiegmann's England Lionesses squad for Ooh. the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand next year? Well, I think it's a bit of a push. What? <laughs> Again, hand on my heart, Steve. I'm just going to crumple what you've said. Uh, <laughs> but basically, uh, we have uh, the situation. The Algarve Cup has been going on. That's the England uh, Lionesses under-19 team. And uh, Lucia Kendall scored a brace uh, against Norway, which was fantastic. But then the team went on to lose against the Netherlands 2-1. But, but what that shows is there's a, a goal scorer uh, in the England under-19 uh, team that has the possibility to move up to the under-23s. And that's when it gets even harder because there we've got Paige Peak uh, signed from Ipswich at the start of the season and Kayla Rendell, our fantastic uh, shot stopper in goal. They couldn't even get on to play against Italy and Netherlands. Mo Marley keeps calling them up, but not uh, playing them. So the quality, the standard is so good right now in that England setup. But the fact that that Paige Peak, Kayla Rendell, uh, Lucia Kendall are getting called up and getting some international experience under their belt is brilliant to see. And then, of course, we have Megan Collett um, um, playing uh, for the young lionesses, getting a call up as well, which is great to see. But what it does so, I, I think for me, Lucia Kendall getting those goals uh, star performances, but it's not the only international group. We've got the Welsh uh, team players and we've got a New Zealand international. Uh, Ashley Ward didn't get to play, but it's just all good to bring back to the squad and hopefully we'll be able to push on because we're currently third in the championship in the Women's League. So, so therefore, great to see and all of this experience will only help the team as a whole. 100% Tom, uh, absolutely nailed that one and, and make sure that you do Head to um, the Snow Stadium and St Mary's whenever the Southampton women's team play. It's a it's it's re it's a nice experience, Tom, isn't it? It's a bit kind of more chilled than than maybe like a normal match day would be. It feels more kind of wholesome and family friendly, and um, it's 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 a really nice afternoon out to go and watch some some good football from our women's team. Definitely, and th there's an air of positivity. And if you, if you're a Southampton fan, to see the Saints in third place in the championship. You're like, <laughs> oh, this is incredible. This is brilliant. And and there's now even talk about getting promotion. I know that they won't be talking about it, but just to continue this rich uh, vein of form and Marion Spacey Kale, I've, I've, I don't think I can say it enough. Interviewed her at the Saints Foundation. She's just such an inspiration, amazing manager in charge, in charge of that team. And I can only see this team getting stronger and stronger. So yeah, definitely go down, be part of something that is is going places and the football quality has been brilliant this year. Great stuff. Well, Tom, we have to wrap things up, unfortunately, for no. another week. Yeah, I am afraid that um yeah, that it is that time. 
Um, it's only once a week, mate, that you have to see me. So don't don't act like, you know, it's it's a big deal. Um, All right. What are you what are you doing this week? Uh, this week. Pasty taste uh, into one side. Uh, pasty experiences, as you say, and I mentioned bragged about it, didn't I? I bragged. If you're getting a free you pasty, you're bragging. Um, this week is heading down to Brighton. So I'm going to do a bit of intel ready for Boxing Day. I'm not. I'm just performing uh, at Comedia. So I'm really looking forward to that Friday and Saturday. And of course, watching the World Cup. What a way to start. Qatar, Ecuador. Mm-mm-mm. That's got goals written all over it. <laughs> I'll actually be working this weekend for TalkSport, doing all the build-up to the match, and then obviously the, the tournament kicks off on Can Sunday I ask a question? night. Yeah. Can I ask a question, Steve? Are you going to be supporting England, or will you sort of lean towards Wales? As a, as a true Scot, uh, who mm. will be your team that you're... I'm always a support? fan of the underdog, so I, I am hoping that Wales do pretty well. I would like to see both England and Wales make it out of their group. Um, if my, my, um, my honest answer would be that I don't care really, um, wow. <laughs> for, wow. for if what happens, um, is, is that because you're just a bit like world cup done because we're going to be talking about the world cup in our future episodes and we're going to get some more guests because I, I'm, I'm rooting for the likes of Canada in group F. <laughs> yes. That's a big one. I like to, I like day. to see a, a country that's unexpected make the latter stages. Like if Canada somehow reached the semi-finals, I'll fully be behind Canada. I have family that emigrated to Canada in the 70s. I've been a few times. Lovely country. I'll fully get the maple leaf on my chest if that happens. <laughs> I look forward to it. Well, look, uh, on our next episode, we definitely need to talk about uh, the World Cup and maybe our sweepstakes and start talking about some exciting players that we've seen in the tournament. But other than that, Steve, uh, it's work as usual and uh, continually find dog biscuits in my pocket. Um, and I have a dog. I just thought I'd point that out. But it, it needs to stop. I'm not leaving the house without checking every pocket because I pulled out a poo bag in the news agents yesterday and that was totally in a glad you added bag to, the, to that because <laughs> that would have been really awkward otherwise. <laughs> but I know what you mean. I'm a fellow dog owner and sometimes, you know, you know when the biscuits crumble and you get all the little bits in the pocket and you can just never get them out. You're like, oh, this pocket just stinks of dog biscuit now forever. Um, well, what I, well, what I did is I hoovered my pocket. Ah, and, clever. <laughs> Not when I was wearing them. That was awful. Very clever. Well, you know, top draw content as always. I love the end of our pods when we get to, you know, just show a cast a cast a light or shine a light onto our um onto our personal lives, Tom. Um, it's what the people come for, really, at the end of the day. But we will be back with another edition of We March On with Steve and Tom next week. Probably just chatting about the World Cup and trying to shoehorn some Southampton content in there at some point. So, you know, don't miss it. Make sure you do like and subscribe. Follow us across all the social media channels at We March On Pod. But until then, good luck, England, for Tom and Wales. Play us out, Saints Brass. Mm-hmm.